Listener Production. On today's edition of Footy Talk, we look at the first two rounds of the season and what our takeouts are. We chat Max Gorn and the impact of his loss for the Demons. We discuss booing and have our thoughts. And, of course, we play Real Talk Shit Talk. That's all to come on today's edition of Footy Talk. Hello and welcome to Footy Talk on this Tuesday, the 28th of March. This is where you get all your footy news, the interviews, analysis from the world of AFL with our own little spin. Joey Montagna here and always joining me on a Tuesday throughout the footy season, my man from over in Texas, Nick Rewald. G'day, Rui. How's life over there this week? Good, mate. A uh, couple of wins in the baseball, Good. so the boys are happy. And uh, the, the, the boys, they wake up. Early in the morning, the Saints games just finished. The first thing they do is they come in, they pick up the phone, they go to afl.com, but they knew you check out the website. And then just run laps of the house. Yeah. Cheering and cheering and jumping on the couch was the Saints. So 2 and 0, and both boys are jumping on the couch and they're going, <laughs> Raw City, Raw City, Raw City. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, as you know, Noah, my little boy's only just got into footy at the back end of last year, start of this year. So he's seen the Saints. He's been to a game. He's two from two. He, he doesn't know what it's what the fuss is all about being a Saints supporter. He thinks, Dad, how good's this? And I don't have the heart to tell you, hey, man, just wait. You'll know what it feels like to be a Saints supporter soon. But yeah. hey, let him enjoy the ride, these kids, because it's been a great start, as has the Absolutely. round of the, the season, really. This is the start of the AFL season. You were big, and I was with you, to be honest, that there was going to be a gap between the best teams and the worst in the competition this year. But the way that we've seen the rounds structured up the first two weeks, who would have thought we've got teams we expected down the bottom up the top, teams we expected up the top in the ladder in Freo, Bulldogs, Geelong down the bottom. It just sets up for a really exciting middle part of the year until we probably find that the balance of what it, what it looks like. Yeah, well, you've got to credit the AFL and, and their fixture team with what they've put together to start the season. It, it has been absolutely compelling viewing. And I think the most important thing to come out of it two rounds in, and I know it's a small sample size, is teams that wouldn't have thought they would have had any hope coming into the season, they have hope two games in. So North Melbourne supporters, they're engaged in the season right now. Same same goes for St Kilda. Both of those clubs, they're, they're winning, but it's the way they're playing. They've got fresh coaches, fresh eyes, new ideas, and you can see the emergence of some of the young kids. So straight away, you've got two supporter bases that maybe had you know, lukewarm expectations coming into the season that are the fully engaged. And then Essendon, the same as well, re- rebounding with a new coach. So the, the AFL have done it perfectly with the way they've scheduled the fixture. Some of the top teams, and this is the thing about making pre-season predictions, you just, you can yep. never get into players' head. So, you know, what are the, what are the Geelong guys thinking? Has, has the edge, and I think the answer is an overwhelming yes. The edge just maybe comes off a little bit at this stage of the year, for, because for them, they know that you need to be at your absolute best come come September. Yeah, it wouldn't be panic stations by any stretch, but great scheduling, great start to the season. There, there is almost a storyline on every team at the moment, which is fantastic for the game. Yeah, that's what we want. And I think you're right. The one that stands out for me after two weeks, if you don't continue to evolve with the game and be up with the trends or be ahead of the game, like what Collingwood probably are at the moment and Geelong were last year, you just get left behind. And there are some teams that maybe just thought they were tracking okay and they've gone to with the status quo and very quickly you find out you've fallen behind the pack. So who were who the tanks? Well, probably I think the Bulldogs definitely. I mean, for whatever reason, Fremantle, you could say the same. I mean, they, there's trends going against the way those teams have started the season. Um, you know, 
Geelong a little bit, but they've got some different circumstances. So how does that happen? So you sit there last year, and, and we were we were promoting teams last year that hadn't adapted. Mm. So so you you saw the way Collingwood adjusted, coming from a, a pretty decent base, Geelong from the highest base of all, and they they adjusted to a new style. And you know St Kilda last year were a number one uncontested mark team in the competition when the game had moved away from that. So you've got a full summer of full pre-season. Why are we still seeing that style of game from, say, a Fremantle? Well, I think some some coaches have their philosophies and, and clubs believe in what they do. So you talk about the teams that have improved. They've had a fresh coach, fresh coaching staff and fresh ideas. And that's what Geelong did the year before, didn't they? Chris Scott was public about, we sat there as a coaching group, wiped away all our philosophies that we'd played with previously and had to start with a blank canvas. So I just wonder whether some teams have just continued to roll on and they've been caught on the hop straight away after a couple of weeks. There's still time to adjust, but gee whiz, it just shows the game never sleeps and you've got to be up with the trends and we're seeing some teams trying to catch on now. Finally, the West Coast Eagles, Rui. Have a guess what they did on the weekend. They kicked the ball forward. <laughs> they and took guess the what, game on. They took the game on, and guess what happened? They scored 100 points for the third time in 37 games because wow, they actually went forward. So it's great for footy, great for the footy fan, and we are loving it. Hey, I want to talk about one of those teams that, that are contenders that have been ahead of the game and just got a bit of a challenge on their hands now is Melbourne without Maxi Gorn. What impact do you think that will have? Because uh, we talk about not only is he probably their most important player, he's also their spiritual leader, and what impact that can have to a team. The fact that he's not going to miss a, a really long period of time is is a bonus because uh, the really great size, and, and I think Geelong were a great example of this last year, is is the the ability to adapt within games and have players that are, that are capable of playing variety of roles, variety of positions, and when things within a game aren't going your way, you have that, you have that flexibility and, and you have that resolve within to be able to adjust. So this really forces that upon the Melbourne Football Club and a guy that has been the centrepiece of their success over the last few years, you know, the way they play with their midfielders, the service he provides them, the leadership he provides them and his around-the-ground presence uh, as an actual player, um, they're going to have to find a way to, to cover that. And I, I just think it's such a, a useful tool you don't want your best players going down, but it is a useful tool to be able to force your group into a, a tougher mindset almost, that, that you aren't just solely reliant on a player like Max Gorn to get the job done. So I think Simon Goodwin would be preaching that to his group and, and they'd be wel- welcoming the opportunity. It's a good point. I mean, we had something similar in 2010. I think it was, Rui. We'd come off the grand final. The Saints, you went down with a, a bad hamstring at about round three. And we were up yep. and about at that stage. And then we lost three of our next four games. And there was just this little bit of maybe a feel in the group. Oh, gee, can we win it without Rui? How are we going to go? And I remember Ross Lyon sitting us down. And he basically hit us between the eyes. And he looked us all and said, you blokes don't think you can win it without Nick, don't you? And it was almost just that moment of all you all have to do is play your role and just do your bit and everything else will be okay. And then when Nick comes back towards the back end of the year, it'll be a bonus. And that's exactly how it panned out. So it ties in with what you're saying about Melbourne. Everyone's just got to do their bit. A bit like Geelong last year, they had Dangerfield missing a big chunk of the year. They had some injuries. Everyone found their niche. And then once they all got fully healthy the back end of the year, it held them in better stead. Max Gorn is obviously a unique player. Yeah, more difficult to replace than a key forward. Um, I think Brendan Goddard went and played forward when I went on down the, the stage you were talking about. He struggled a little bit, BJ, but that's uh, that's not an here nor there. <laughs> but how handy is the acquisition of uh, Brody Grundy looking right it is now, now for, the, yeah. for this next little period? Gee, what a what a uh, what a handy replacement to be able to throw the uh, 
all Australian ruckmen in there. Just a quick little one on that, though. They would not want Brody Grundy to get injured. I had a look at Melbourne's list. Their only other real ruckman on the list, they got Josh Shackey from the Western Bulldogs to basically be a backup uh, ruckman slash forward for them. So he's really next in line. Whether they even contemplate playing him to keep that too tall structure, they've always gone with the two rucks. That will be fascinating. Hey, let's move on. I want to ask you about footy etiquette because we saw a couple of instances for different reasons on the weekend. First of all was... Collingwood fans booing Jason Horn Francis when it had no, when Jason Horn Francis' story has got nothing to do with Collingwood supporters, and then in that Alistair Clarkson and how he was behaving on the bench and some of the criticism around that. What's your take on footy etiquette? Uh, well, the, the Horn Francis one was really interesting. I was trying to figure out as the game was unfolding why the Collingwood fans were booing him, and I thought. Did he say something maybe about the prison bar? Nah. Goonsy. I was trying to I was trying to think yeah. what could be the possible reason. Look, I, and I've got a theory on God. There there are some guys that just rub teams up the wrong way. Yeah. And, and I, I just think, you know, he he's a guy that, you know, for whatever reason he didn't want to stick around at North Melbourne, similar to what Bucks did when he was at Brisbane, yeah. sort of a polarizing figure. I'm gonna buck the system. I'm gonna I'll, yeah, I'm gonna buck the trend of getting drafted and, and being loyal and, and people for whatever reason they they don't like that. And so that's why they go down the path. Look, I don't have a problem with them booing a player. I think for a player like him, you look at it as a little bit of a badge of honor. Uh that the the opposition, you know, don't don't necessarily like you. Do you like so booing, you don't have an issue with booing? That was playful booing, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I don't know. My view, I think booing's bogan. Like, I, if you're a kid, yep. if you're a kid, I get you can boo. Like, if you're a child, yeah. boo your heart. As a grown adult, can you imagine booing at the footy? Like, if you're, in, like, I don't well, know. I can't. I can't. But, I can't. But I, but I, but I think, not saying that I, I condone it. Don't get me wrong. But it's, it's. I, I, I think that's the reason why he, he specifically would have been targeted. Yeah. But you're right. Like, I'm, I'm not. Do they boo in America? No, no, they don't. It's it's actually really interesting. The the dynamic over here is, I I've been to a couple hundred sporting games yeah. over here, and I reckon I can count on one hand the amount of times I've heard people boo or swear. That's is it an Australian thing? He's booing. I think it might be. I think it might be. And then the full the fact that it's so tribal as well that you know you've got all of these teams from neighbourhoods and it's just kind of bred this animosity, yeah. same as the English Premier League. You know, they're obviously on another level. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they get violent, but you're not going to stop it. Nah. So you, you kind of just got to accept that it's part of our game. I'm, I'm not going to do it next to my kids. And, yeah. you know, I'd be probably a little bit flat if I wasn't sitting next to someone that did it all day. But what but, but brings us to a conversation around what is acceptable footy ed- etiquette. So you're saying booing's not acceptable? Uh, no, I'm not saying it's not acceptable. Anyone can boo if they want. I just find it, if you're a grown-up, why are you booing? Like, it's a bit... <laughs> I just think, well, it's yeah. like we boo, like, Gary Ablett. Gary Ablett leaves, yeah, you know, like, in, in America, you see them, all these players that change clubs go back to their state where they played great bar, and they get a standing ovation. We now, someone leaves a club, and they're not even by their choice, and they get booed. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I, yeah, think it's just right. I just find it strange. It's a, it's a strange concept. But it's cultural. We do we get a pretty good look at crowd behaviour when we set up the the Fox Footy yeah. panel uh, for games out the outer. And so the last few years have been a real eye opener. That's the swearing that and the language of times with kids around you know, leaves um, leaves you scratching your head at times. The one experience that I'll never get over is the end of it was I think it must have been like round two. It was a Carlton Collingwood game, and we were sitting on the panel. The siren goes for the end of the game, and then they come straight to us. And so we're getting there, we've got your papers, and, you know, you're getting a little bit of powder or whatever. And we just got a 
torrent of beer from the, <laughs> from the third <laughs> level straight onto the set. It was like five or six beers, and we were absolutely saturated trying to get ourselves sorted. We were on air. looked like that poor Kingy looked like he'd been sweating. He was, <laughs> he was looking pretty untidy. He had beer dripping down his face, but um, that's on the that's on the obviously the very low end of footy etiquette, Joey. Yeah, there were three or four blokes. I'm sure that would have been uh, had a few drinks. And oh, they thought it was. I'll tell you who thought it was. They would have been chuckling hilarious. the whole way home. They weren't laughing as hard as a security guard. The security <laughs> guard at the MCD, they thought it was the funniest thing ever. Ah, oh, very good. Hey, just before we go to a break and do our Real Talk Shit Talk segment, have to touch on the Saints, not because uh, that you're here, but it's a massive week for the footy club this year for St Kilda. It's their 150th anniversary, year, a year anniversary in the competition. And what better way to do it than playing against the Bombers on Saturday night, both teams undefeated. I heard yesterday St Kilda's highest ever home and away crowd, home game, 67,000. They think they'll top that this week and get 70 plus. So it'll be St Kilda's biggest ever home game, uh, home and away crowd ever. So what a great occasion and to celebrate the 150 years. And the fact that Essendon and the Saints are both 2-0, and oh, I mean, I think that's that's the, obviously speaks to the fact that they're going to be able to draw a crowd. And already the, the, the games that sort of started, I saw Kyle Langford came out, sort of, he obviously played well on the weekend. Um, so he, he felt the need to, to run his mouth and say they must have penciled us in for a win. And so, look, it's going to be a great occasion. Um, I know lots of Saints people are going to be getting back and plenty of past players as well. So, yeah, one I wish I could be attending. I saw that. So he was implying that St Kilda basically asked for Essendon as their yeah, celebration game like, because they thought that would be a win, which, yeah, yeah, come on, Cole. Because that's how the fixturing works, Cole. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure St Kilda wanted to make it Collingwood because St Kilda and Collingwood was the first ever game. Yeah. St Kilda's first game was against Collingwood, but just the way that the logistics of trying to organise an yeah. AFL fixture was impossible. So it is this game. But, yeah, that'll be a cracking game. And Rossi Lyon, well, we already knew it, but he's got them off to a great start. Hey, we'll take a break because up next we want to do our Real Talk Shit Talk and have a look at some of the exaggerations or maybe the legitimate comments from uh, the footy talk off the Monday. But, of course, if you are listening to us and you're listening on the Apple Podcast or on Spotify or Listener, please hit the like button, leave us a rating, or even send us in a question. We'd love to get you involved. New episodes every day at lunchtime. You're listening to Footy Talk, and if you're listening on the Apple Podcast, Spotify, or Listener, please hit the like button or leave us a review. I'm here with Nick Rewalt on this Tuesday. Really, we like to play a bit of real talk, shit talk. There's always a lot of commentary on a Monday and Sunday night as well about uh, the weekend's footy. So I want to fire a few questions at you and get your view. First one, Daisy Pierce should be banned from being in club rooms. Yeah, that's real talk, Joey. That's real talk. I, I, I think, and I think it's a compliment to Daisy that. She's, you know, she's worked her way into club land at the absolute elite level at the best football club. Um, it is very, very difficult to wear two hats. So I don't think that's exclusive to her. I think it's anyone with an official role at a football club, whether that's as a, as a footy director. Um, it is so competitive now. So to be down there in the inner, inner sanctum, you're just armed with greater access than than other people at club land from other clubs are. So I, I, I don't have a problem with the stance that, that Richmond took um, at all. So, yeah, look, I, I think that's real talk. Yeah, that's clubs have got that prerogative. I mean, there are a lot of people in the media that have some conflicts, and that's okay. Yep. There, I don't think there's anything wrong with that as long as you manage it well. Daisy manages it as, as well as anybody, and uh, and that is fine. Okay, Joey, uh, real talk, she told Luke Jackson, a lot of people have gone early, that it was the wrong call to recruit him. 
Yeah, this is this is shit talk. I mean, some of the commentary you'd think that they brought Luke Jackson across as a thirty-year-old who's been who's meant to make the difference this year or next year for Fremantle to try and uh, win a flag, but he's twenty-one years old. They signed him on a seven-year deal. He's there for the long-term sustainable success of the footy club. So absolutely, the first two rounds it hasn't worked, and the the club are trying to figure out the best combination, what it looks like, and really how to get the best footy out of not just the two rucks, but out of everybody. But hey, just hold fire. He's twenty-one years of age. Not many young ruck forwards are doing uh, pretty special things at that age. I mean, uh, so give it a bit of time. That's a bit of shit talk. What about, Rui, to you? The Hawks have cut too hard. No, that's shit talk. Well, what were they meant to do? So you can, you can either do what some clubs have done. I'll put St Kilda in this bracket where you, you hover around mediocrity, you keep players there, you get the sugar hit of being you know, somewhat competitive. But if you're in the premiership winning business, which I think Hawthorne are, well, then, what's the point of being mediocre? You might as well cut cut hard. So Tom Mitchell and Jager O'Meara, I mean, the same people that were uh, that are criticising the fact that they cut too hard were criticising Mitchell and O'Meara last year for having little impact and just being ball yeah. winners rather than effective <laughs> ball users. So you can't yeah. have it both ways. I, look, I, I think it's a, a brave decision. I think as well as you've got the leadership within your club, to not allow it to chip away at your fabric and know that you are building towards something and that losses are going to happen, but it's about developing professionalism and standards along the way, well, then you can insulate your group from the bad losses as, and, and make it about the effort. So, no, that's, uh, that, that's shit talk for me. Back, at, back to you, Joey. So the man that left the Hawks, Alistair Clarkson, was very, very up and about on the weekend with his coaching. So Clarko's behaviour on the sideline as coach, is the future of coaching. Oh, that is shit talk. I think that what Clarko did I loved, and I think for his group and where they're at and where they've come from culturally, probably with their previous coach and their environment the last few years, I think the way that uh, he was getting around his players, high-fiving them, giving them instruction and getting involved in the game, I thought was great. Because I'm a big being critical of coaches that have sat on the bench, but we've seen them. They sit there and they just watch the game. You can think of Ben Rutten and some other coaches. They didn't even have. They didn't even talk to their players. And they were at least Clarko was invested, was involved. I still think that from a tactical point of view, the, the the view vantage point that you have from up high is more important. But for where the Kangaroos are at with their development, I loved it. I think it was great. And uh, he has been doing spending a bit of time with Ange Postecoglou, and we know what the soccer coaches are like, Boy, and the managers, yeah. and the way they get involved, which is great. So. There might be more of it, but it'd be specific teams that maybe need the coach doing that as opposed to some coaches up on the uh, level three. Hey, there's a big game this week, Richmond Collingwood Friday night. Nick Dacos, the hottest player in the competition. Trent Cotchin should go to him and tag him this week. <laughs> Shit talk, Charlie. Shit talk. <laughs> and when you're, looking, when you're looking for a role like that for one of your veterans – well, then you know they're in trouble. And it happened to me late in my career. I remember it was like my fifth last game and the coach said, you're going to go and tag Alex Rance. <laughs> and I said, well, what, what do you mean, mate? I'm, I'm forward. What am I going to do? So I did and it worked. I kicked a few goals. And so the next week I thought I'd just be able to go and play. Now, the next week I had to go and tag Michael Hurley. <laughs> Hurley had about 35 and that was the end of my career. <laughs> so when you're looking for these sort of roles for your veterans, you know they're in trouble. So no, and, and Bacos would have, he'd have 40 touches because he's, you know, speedy and fast and cotches. Yeah, he's a warrior, but I wouldn't say he's super quick. 
Shit talk. Probably not the right matchup. Probably not. you rather want to go either want to go Shea Bolton or um, someone on him that he make him have to defend. Yeah. Or you put someone that is going to dead set lock down like a Jack Graham yeah. and try and terrorise him. One or the other. There you go. Yeah. That's why you should be coaching Joey. Hey, might might be going early, but two weeks in, they do not look good. The dogs are cooked and they can't win it. Oh, really? Uh, it's real talk right now. They are playing horrible football. Oh, oh, yeah, well, okay. Well, can they win it? They can. They, well, they can win it, but it's going to be some sort of special effort from the way they've started. A couple of weeks too early for me being able to completely write them off because it's two weeks in, but they are, they're horrible. So they can. They still can, but gee whiz, they want to get their skates on. They're, they're next month, Rui, they're going to get found out. They've got some really tough games. Brisbane Thursday night, if they go zipping three, you could almost say you can't win it. If they go... Zipping four or one and five, then they definitely can't win it. But something wrong, something wrong at the dogs. Don't can't put a finger on what it is. But at the moment, every part of their game is off, um, which is surprising. Yeah, I was bullish on them in the preseason. So there you go, there you go. Hey, good show today. Good to chat. Good chat. Uh, let's do it again next Tuesday. I hope you uh, enjoy your footy and enjoy. You the... get along to the one fiftieth. Yes, I'll be involved. Really? Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be nice. a pretty special night. So looking forward to that, and maybe we can chat about that next Tuesday. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of Footy Talk. If you have a question for us, get on Instagram at footytalk underscore pod or on TikTok at footytalkpod and we'll do it all again. See you later. Listener.